Welcome into Inside the Den, your look inside Lee's McRae Athletics. Inside the Den is produced for the sole purpose of keeping Bobcat fans in the know and can be found on our website, lmcbobcats.com, or on SoundCloud. Just search Lee's McRae Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tim Hall. Welcome back to Inside the Den, Bobcat fans. Today, our guest is... Jeffrey Merrill. Jeffrey is the Assistant Athletic Director and Director of Compliance in the Athletic Department. Jeffrey, thanks for being on Inside the Den. Thanks for having me, Tim. Really excited to be here today. All right. Well, we've got a few things we want to talk about. You know, I wanted with this podcast to bring in different voices of people who kind of work behind the scenes because we coaches and our athletes and teams – we rely on a lot of other people uh, in the department to help us be successful. And, and you and what you do with your various roles is a big key component to our success. Uh, but first, I want to ask you, how did you end up at Lees McRae? Um, that's a very interesting story in itself. Um, so my background, I have no athletic experience. I, I stopped playing athletics in high school, uh, realized very quickly that that was not going to be my path to success. Um, my background pretty much is full of customer service, Excel, and sales experience. I did a lot of retail. Uh, went to college at Belmont Abbey after a few years of doing the adulting thing and figuring out I needed a degree to kind of get anywhere. So I went to Belmont Abbey, got my sports management degree, thought I wanted to go into corporate sales in the professional sports world. I interned with the minor league hockey team in Charlotte, the Charlotte Checkers, worked oh. for them for a season, was offered a position in their corporate sales department at the end of my internship, but I, it just wasn't for me. Sales is sales is sales. It doesn't matter if I'm selling corporate sponsorships for an athletic team or mm-hmm. if I'm selling a pair of shoes at a retail store. Yeah, um, I wanted something different. So I went back to my advisor. He was like, hey, you should get into college athletics. Um and so I did some research and got back with him and was like, hey, where's my best place to kind of get my foot in the door? And he, he told me, he was like, hey, nobody wants to do compliance. Mm. It's a dirty job. They're, <laughs> they're usually the ones that the coaches don't like because you're the no guy, right? You're yeah. the one that tells everybody they can't do something or they're breaking the rules or whatnot. Um, so he said that might be my best way to get in the door. So I tried it out. And I really enjoyed it. I like legal aspects of things. At one point in time in my life, I wanted to be a lawyer. So for me, this was a way to kind of be in the legalese of things without having to go to law school. Mm. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so I got into it, uh, interned there at Belmont Abbey for about a year. And then Lise McRae was looking for a compliance director. They asked me if I was willing to move to the mountains. I said, are they willing to give me a paycheck? <laughs> and they told me everybody agreed that the answer was yes. So I came to Lee's McCray in the fall of 14, and I've had a blast since I've been here. Well, I've had this uh, discussion with others on the podcast about how there's many different jobs and roles and ways that you can – be a part of athletics and sports you don't have to be the athlete you don't have to be a coach there's so many other different jobs and responsibilities out there that go into helping teams and athletic departments be successful and the 
you know, the, the pursuit of sport management, which we have at Lee's McRae for those out there that do not know. And in fact, I think you teach some classes in uh, that department, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, I yeah, am. you know, there there are so many different roles that an individual can get into. Craig uh, McPhail talked about this as well. Similar pathway as you, uh, you know, and so, uh, you know, for everyone out there, you especially you athletes who have big aspirations, this is another good example that, you know, there's many different ways to be a part of athletics, not just as, a, as an athlete or coach. 100%. There were there are jobs in athletic departments that seven years ago, eight years ago, there's no way you could have convinced me that they existed. Um, and especially my job. I mean, I knew somebody had to, to make sure coaches were doing what they were supposed to do and follow the NCAA rules. But to know that there are full-time employed people who are just doing eligibility and compliance was kind of intriguing and, and kind of cool to me. Mm-hmm. So let's get into compliance a little bit. Uh, now, my sport, cycling, we're not an NCAA sport. So, you know, you and I don't have to work as closely together as you do with all the other coaches. Uh, but, you know, you get into academic eligibility and progress to graduation. You get into the weeds of their practice volumes and redshirt years. And, I mean, there's a lot of moving parts that – on your side of things, you cannot get wrong. So what does it really mean? What, you know, what does a compliance officer do day to day? How do you uh, help uh, the athletic department, help coaches, help teams to be better and stay within the rules? Right on. First off, I tell everybody that cycling is my favorite sport, (laughs) um, mainly because I don't have to do NCAA hoops with you guys. Um, It's just maintaining, you know, USA Cycling's eligibility rules and then the standards you set for your team, Mm -hmm. you know. So that's really as far as I've got to go with that. Um, But the NCAA sports, you're right, man. You can't miss. Um, if, If you're certifying eligibility incorrectly for one student, it's likely you're doing it for more than one student. Um, and so you can really put your, not only your teams, but you can put your whole department in a bond. Um, it's, I would say twice a week, I get an email on violation reports where schools have had to release things and, and publicize their violations within their department. Lots of times their eligibility, mm-hmm. um, certifying, miscertifying transfers. Cause I have to certify the eligibility of all incoming freshmen. I have to certify the eligibility of two-year and four-year transfers. And then the whole separate component, you've got your internationals and your homeschool students, which are totally different than your generic um, regular old freshmen coming out of uh, a high school. Um, So – that's the first component, making sure that everybody is good, that they meet the NCAA requirements. That can be daunting, especially with transfers who have been to multiple places. That, you know, what transfers come in, what credits come in, what what was their transfer GPA, things of that nature. But once you get them on campus, um, things don't stop there as far as what we have to monitor. I mean, you, you kind of touched on it a little bit. I have to keep up with make sure all the the practices stay within the hours that are allotted by the NCAA, whether the team is in season or out of season. 
We have to make sure that official visit paperwork for the recruits who are coming on campus to visit, make sure that paperwork's filed and we have transcripts on file, all that good stuff. Um, all the way down to, you know, making sure grades are where they're supposed to do, supposed to be. I put, let's see, I do three progress reports a semester, including midterms. So they get checked at the quarter mark, the midterm mark, and then the three-quarter mark to make sure that they're on progress to meet their degree. A lot of these parents that I meet with in the recruiting process, I tell them the coach's job is to make them successful on the field or on the bike or on the court. My job is to make sure in four, no more than five years, they're walking across the stage with a degree. Um, That's big to me. It took me a while to get my degree, and I know kind of the struggles that I had in that that period between high school and when I finally got my degree and kind of made headway. So I want to make sure that they do the same. And, you know, my job, I feel like I pay more attention to the academic side of things mm-hmm. than I do necessarily the individual bylaws of making sure that, you know, we're – not giving them an extra meal or, you know, something along those lines. We still have to monitor it, but primarily making sure that these kids are eligible is the big deal. Yeah. Well, and the coaches do have a lot of uh, oversight in helping you do your Mm -hmm. job to stay within Mm -hmm. the rules because they certainly can make your your job much more difficult to achieve and that sort of thing. That's That's an aspect of each and every coach's role that we haven't talked about on the podcast is all the little details like that they have to follow with um with overseeing their programs uh, but in the end you're the one that's going to you know send them that email or pick up the phone and say hey did you know this rule was in existence or we're getting close to the line let's be careful let's be mindful you know we have the the fall season coming up and you always do a presentation for us and uh, as a whole of coaches and then talk with each team about what you do for everyone. And, you know, it is, boy, I do not envy your position. You got so many moving parts. And, you know, like you said, you know, I love uh, the meetings we've had with you is, listen, if you're hearing from me, that means that you've sort of dug a hole for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and you're there to help people dig out of that hole, especially on the academic side. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really appreciate what you do for us and our team and helping helping people just get back on track and i think that's the one of the bigger things uh for you to do so you know we've gone through this experience uh the spring and now the summer with uh, the covid virus you know what how has that affected things how has it affected the athletes and the teams uh you know because the ncaa has put out a lot of guidelines and put a lot of restrictions in place uh because of what is what has been going on what have you as a compliance officer as you're seeing all that hearing that and relaying the information I mean, what do you see as the biggest things that we've had to go through and overcome through this experience um so it is changing daily um just from the standpoint of there's a lot of things a lot of unknowns right now for the ncaa as far as this virtual recruiting and and some other things that are going on so they're changing the bylaws pretty regularly and making some exceptions um 
the spring was a little tricky. Uh, thankful that the NCAA basically just gave waivers to everything. Um, so, you know, nobody was really affected by not being in class and being strictly online. Um, I had a lot of kids that, you know, had, had the rules been the same, they might've been in trouble and, and could have been in some summer school, but the NCAA kind of understood, Hey, listen, they're not under, you know, I couldn't go to a kid eyeball to eyeball and say, Hey, listen, you got to go to class. You got to do your work. Right. They understood there's a lot less monitoring the institution was able to do. Mm-hmm. So they gave a lot of waivers as far as the academic components of being eligible the, the next fall. Um, just from the standpoint of they didn't know what summer school was going to look like. It's easy for us to just send the kids to summer school to pick up the extra credits or the GPA they needed. But some institutions didn't have summer school. So it was making it much more difficult for these kids to get eligible. Mm-hmm. From the high school standpoint and the incoming kids, this will affect the next four classes. Um, anybody who's in high school, the NCAA is going to have to make some sort of concessions for all upcoming classes. So that'll be something that even once this pandemic's over, we as compliance officers are going to deal with for the next two to three years as we process the rest of the high school kids through college. Mm-hmm. As far as the fall, um, I I mean, you've seen it in the news. There are schools that are canceling their fall seasons or moving their fall seasons to the spring. We really don't know right now what the fall looks like. Um, We have a good idea that, you know, we are going to play fall sports. Kids are going to be on campus. We are going to go business as usual, but we really don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we we get some resocialization uh, information from the NCAA on a weekly basis of how to bring them back to campus and what that social distancing should look like, how practices should run, things of that nature. But they haven't really given us a concrete answer of when can we play that first game. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of uncertainty there, um, and I think for the student athletes at this point that I've talked to there's some uncertainty of what they're going to do, right? Like, do I go back to school if I don't have a fall season? Um, You know, how does that work? But I mean, like the spring season with the NCAA, if for some reason these kids come back to school in the fall and we don't have fall season, they're going to give them the year back, right? Like they're not going to charge a student with a year of, of competition or a year of semesters when they weren't allowed to play their sport. So it's going to be no loss at the end of the day, but, yeah, the virus has thrown a loop in a lot of things. Um, there are a lot of programs that are getting canceled. There are a lot of uh, budgets that are being cut. Thankful for us, I mean, we haven't done anything with any of our programs. We haven't really discussed getting rid of any programs. If anything, we've had probably one of our best recruiting classes yeah. uh, this summer that, that we've had in at least two to three years since I've been here. Yeah. Um, so it, I, it's hard for me to say the virus was a terrible, terrible thing just because our recruiting class is good, our retention's up. Um, I haven't had a lot of kids reach out and say, hey, look, I'm not coming back to Lee's and Cray. I'm going to go look elsewhere. Nothing like that. So, I mean, it's bad because we don't know the uncertain future. Um, but 
you know, from a recruiting standpoint, it hasn't really hurt us. Our coaches have, and you're included in this because you've got a nice, nice recruiting class coming in yourself. But um, our recruits, our coaches have really killed the recruiting trail um, this year in finding the kids that are Louise McCray kids, mm-hmm. getting them signed up, getting them excited, even though we can't do all the things that we like to do during the summer as far as bringing them on campus and showing them what Banner Elk looks like in the summer. Yeah, right? People got this crazy thought of Banner Elk looks like December year-round, um, and we actually have gorgeous summers here. So for us, this is our big time of recruiting, and our coaches were able to really kind of do big things this summer and get that, those classes locked in. Yeah. Well, it does It does seem and feel like we've bucked the trend a little bit in a lot of different areas in a really good way uh, despite mm-hmm. everything that's happening and we're in a we're in a much better position than a lot of other institutions and departments and I feel very fortunate and grateful for that uh, because absolutely you know, 3 or 4 months ago I certainly wasn't looking ahead to this this time and thinking that we would be in such a a good spot and I do believe we are in a good spot despite that uncertainty uh, okay, so speaking of the NCAA, you know, yep. I think one of the things that all athletic departments fear is for them to be knocking on your door and snooping around and saying you're doing this uh, this or that wrong and, and there being sanctions. I mean, to my knowledge, we've avoided all that because we're doing things the right way uh, and, and we're not getting into any trouble, Any no teams are losing out on opportunities. What's that like, really? You've got the job, but then there is how you uh, uh, or us as uh, a department and institution work with and deal with the NCAA because, boy, they, they are a behemoth organization. And, uh, but we fall within the, their jurisdiction. Uh, yeah, what is that like day to day working with them as you're doing your job? Um, I mean, it could be scary at times. When I first got in the business, man, every time I signed a piece of paper, I was worried about breaking an NCAA rule. Um, our manual is 380 pages. And it covers just about anything you can think of of what you can and can't do. So, I mean, it's a daunting task. We report, we haven't had any major violations since I've been here, knock on wood. But I I do report somewhere between two and five to six secondary violations. We mess up on social media. Maybe a coach practiced an extra hour one week. Um, you know, nothing major, but we do, we do get penalized, if you will. But those are self-reports. Uh, the sanctions aren't too terribly bad. But the NCAA will come out and tell you flat out, if you're not reporting some sort of violation or violations every single year, they're more concerned with you than mm. a school that's reporting 10 violations a year. 10 secondaries. So basically telling telling on yourself on the little things goes a long way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, because they can now show that you have you have an atmosphere of compliance on your campus. Most mm-hmm. of the time when you see these these schools getting killed with these big sanctions, it's because the NCAA has been able to tag tag them with lack of institutional control or Mm -hmm. lack of compliance within the department so two years ago i brought in this group it's called the ncaa blueprint 
and it's a third-party contracted company through the NCAA. And basically what they do is they come out and they look at all of your compliance systems, processes, and policies. They talk to coaches. They talk to financial aid. They talk to the registrar's office. They talk to a little bit of everybody on the institution. They even have conversations with the president. And their whole thing is just figuring out how you do things. How do you certify eligibility? How do you do your play and practice seasons? We passed that thing with flying colors. And Tim, when I tell you I was nervous as I'll get out <laughs> to have them on my campus, um, I had talked to some other compliance officers yeah. that had had the same, and they got absolutely slaughtered because what they found out in the blueprint was they had been certifying a transfer incorrectly for the past five years. Oof. Well, guess what, man? Those violations don't go nowhere. Yeah. Well, you have to now go back and find every single kid for the last five years that you've incorrectly uh, certified, mm. write the violations up for it, mm. forfeit any games that are associated that that kid played in, and it is just a nightmare. So I was really, really nervous, but at the same time, I wanted to make sure we were doing it the right way. Yep. You know? And so I brought them up. We got flying colors. I was so relieved to see them leave three days later. Um, but it is, I mean, anytime, anytime that you're dealing with the NCAA, um, you're walking it, on eggshells. It can be scary, man. It can be real scary. Cause you just, you don't know nobody, no compliance officer in America knows the whole manual. Yeah. It's just, it's too much to it. It's ever changing. Well, so, that sounds a lot like, you know, the college when it goes through the accreditation process. You know, they they really mm -hmm. scrutinize every aspect of the college and how you do things and, and your personnel and your policies. And they, they let you know, are you up to snuff? Are you putting out a, a good product, so to speak? And they'll let you know. And if you're not, boy, you've got your work cut out for you. And it's sort of, it, it is a scary proposition until they leave campus and until you get that report back and you're like, whew. We, we, yeah. we survived. We were doing it. Not, not only did we survive, but I think the, the bigger takeaway from what you just told is, Hey, we're doing it the right way. We're, we're yeah. going the right direction. We're doing things the right way. And, uh, it's going to set us up for success later on. So, all right. So that, and that, I get, and one, one other thing to that, I'll give the coaches a lot of credit because there are a lot of institutions where coaches will just wing it. If they don't know, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for mm. permission, that mm -hmm. kind of deal. Our coaches are really, really, really good about asking first. Yeah. Like, just don't wing it. Just ask. And and that helps out a lot. Mm. I have 22 compliance assistants, basically, um, that, that kind of help me do my job, and it, it does make it a lot easier. Yeah. So I just wanted to touch on that as well. Well, and that brings up uh, final question we'll talk about here and that is you know, as you said at the beginning you arrived at Lee's McRae in the fall of 2014 and you've been at this job for a while now uh, you know you've seen a lot of change occur you've seen a lot of improvements since then uh, and the greater theme of this podcast is about what we are doing uh, out in front that people do see and there's a lot of things going on that people don't see and what we as coaches and teams and the department are striving for that level of success that that we all uh, are working hard towards 
what are the changes that you see uh, since you arrived here? What's different? What's better? Uh, how are we a better, stronger, more competitive Lees McRae than when you got here? All right. Uh, quickly, it's our collective bond from the athletic department and the coaches and staff and main campus itself. When I first stepped on foot on this campus, there was a real disconnect between faculty and coaches. And the coaching staff and Craig and Rita and myself, we've done a really, really, really good job of building those bonds and getting uh, a better continuity between the two um, to where, you know, everything is not looked at uh, that's on that side of the pond, this on this side of the pond, that kind of deal. We are Elise McCray together here to build one unit. Additionally, our coaching staff is much closer as a family unit here to do one big goal, and that's to bring Lisa McCray to the highest success we can. And I think there was a lot of disconnect when I got here as far as the coaching staff. There were a lot of people that were siloed that I just really want to do what's good for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tim, you do what's good for you and don't worry about my silo and I won't worry about your silo. And I think when you're in a small college setting where it requires the whole village to get some things done. Um, And I think we've got a group that will that will take that step and kind of help one another to kind of be successful. And we're resilient as all get out. I mean, I talked about it earlier as far as the COVID going on and us still meeting our recruiting numbers. And, you know, it just seems like every time adversity is thrown in front of us, we somehow figure out how to be stronger in the end. I think a lot of schools will fold under the stuff that we've had to deal with as, as far as field conditions or travel conditions or whatever it may be in the past. Uh, we always seem to figure it out. And I'm not sure when I first got here that was something that was going on. And then, I mean, you got the facility changes that we made after the fire to the gym that kind of helped mm, out. Yeah. The hag that's been built since I've been here. Uh, I think we did, redid the cycling room. Didn't you go through a big change over there? In a your, little bit. In your area? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Um, and, I, you know, we've got the facility plan that they're talking about and all these new and refreshing ideas. And that, for me, is is the part that, that really gets me excited about Lee's McCray. And maybe not necessarily where we're going to be in a year or two because of the COVID and everything else that may go on, but where are we going to be in four to five years mm-hmm. when some of these plans that we have on paper start to come to fruition? Um, I think our student athletes are much more prepared to be college students. I think our coaches are doing a really good job of finding those kids that fit us. I think when I first got here, there were times where I felt like it was a revolving door, right? We would bring in a class and, you know, a handful of those kids would transfer out in the fall, a handful of those kids would transfer out in the spring. Mm-hmm. And you start wondering, hey, what are we doing, right? Like, are we finding the right kids for our institution? Why are they leaving? Um, and, you know, a couple years later, three, four, five years later, we have less and less transfers. Our retention efforts are much better. We've had two conference champions since I've been here. Um, and that, to me, you know, and your success in the in the cycling world with your individual national champions, and those are things that, that on the outside you get to see. But you guys as coaching staff do a wonderful job of recruiting those kids, helping me keep them in the classroom, 
So I can't do it by myself. There's almost 400 student athletes yeah. here, right? So, I mean, there's there's a lot of good things going on. I I'm excited for the future of this place, and you know, the coaches that we have on staff, the kids that we signed, and the kids that we brought in, and currently on the rosters, I think they're great. I think uh, the institutional situation as a whole, as we bring in more and more students, and we get that general student number up which is what our director, our new director of admissions this year is really pushing for. It, that, I mean, there's no telling where that can take us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, the institution as a whole is getting better. Yeah. And it's, it, it's every day that we're getting better, right? Like we're making changes and making decisions and, you know, that are in the best interest of the student slash student athlete right for the institutions for the student for the athletic departments for the student athlete and lots of times if the decision that's being made is not in the best interest of the student or student athlete then it doesn't get done uh, and at the end of the day those are the people that that make lees mccray lees mccray without the students there is no me you faculty or lees mccray yeah. right so they are the customer I, I, yeah, 100%. Well, 100%. As you said earlier, uh, we're all in sales. Where it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you are, what you do for a living, you are in sales and and we we are certainly in sales. And I agree with you. I echo what you said. Uh, just the we have now more better people, be it faculty, staff, uh students, coaches, whomever who are um, on the same page, pulling in the same direction and uh, have the same goals and aspirations knowing that we can certainly be better we can always be better and 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 achieve a higher level of success but we are so much closer to that and not just closer but we're experiencing it you know Mm -hmm. we are experiencing these tastes of success and that that landscape is starting to have a trickle-down effect as others see people within our own little community our own village having that success it's aspiring it's inspiring them to aspire to bigger and better things and and boy i yeah i got here a year before you did and i can uh, i can echo what what you described as far as just that disconnect and everyone doing their thing but now we're all doing it together and i think that's mm-hmm. that's been one of the biggest uh, improvements uh, that we can that we have done over the years and i think it's important for our fans and, and our alumni to know that and it's not the it's not the lees mccray of old this is a this is a this is a new a new era of doing things and and we're doing it the right way and going in the right direction so well jeffrey i really appreciate you telling your story and and sharing with everyone what you do for the department uh, of athletics here at lees mccray so thanks for being on inside the den Thank you, Tim, for having me. Anytime you just let me know. Um, it was it was fun getting on here and chatting with you about the dirty side of the NCAA compliance world, if you will. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Jeffrey. And Have a good one, Tim. All right. Go Bobcats. To listen to this episode again or to find previous episodes, go to our website, lmcbombcats.com, or find us on SoundCloud by searching Lees McRae Athletics. And as always, go Bobcats.